Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the Cords and Courts podcast. I know it has been a while, but we are back and we are starting with a topic that has been on everyone's minds all over Twitter, all over the socials, all over TikTok for all those TikTokers who didn't even really go. But Harrison and I went to Coachella weekend one. We are back now here to recap it in the best way that we can. Just going to be a fun flowing conversation to relive some of the weekend highlights, some of the things that we were surprised by, and basically just kind of show you what it was like actually on the ground, not like all these TikTokers who were stuck at some Revolve festival, not even at the festival, complaining about it, what it was really like and how amazing of a time it is to really go to Coachella. It's not like what they say on social media. So we're going to give you the real honest truth, the breakdown. Harrison, how are you doing? How great of a time was Coachella? I'm doing pretty good, man. Coachella is fun as always. My second go around this time. And uh, I also went on a stomach ulcer, still had the time of my life, my best friend, uh, you know, your old college roommate, Christian, and my girlfriend, Kristen. It was her first time going to a major music festival. So overall, it's, uh, it was a great experience. Once again, I love Coachella and yeah, we can't wait to talk more about it and dive in. Yeah. So as we begin this, I know obviously festivals come with a lot of like stereotypes and this and that about what you do to enjoy the festival because of your stomach ulcer you weren't allowed to do anything no drinking no any no no funny business of any kind and because you weren't drinking we kind of just never really had the time to go buy anything or anything so we all did the whole thing sober just as a little disclaimer for the weekend any enjoyment we had any enjoyment we had i guess was elevated by just the love of music and just the pure good times and good vibes and any pain and suffering that we might have had was not at all filtered out by you know some of the things that alcohol can kind of get you through we felt every muscle ache and sore maybe in ways that we wouldn't have if we were in altered states so just to start it off you went in 2019 for the first time this was obviously the first Coachella since then because of the many cancellations and COVID what were some of the differences how is this year a little bit different than the year past that you went Mm mm-hmm so yeah, I guess I just got to preface by saying, you know, when I had initially gone into Coachella in 2019, um, I went with one of my really close friends and her boyfriend at the time, and they convinced me to go. And prior to that, I'd been attending a ton of music festivals all around the U.S., uh, from major ones to smaller ones, and I didn't really know what to expect going into Coachella. All I knew was from what I had observed as an outsider, that there was kind of like a bad connotation or a bad stigma going into that type of festival. And then 2019 comes around, I spend my three days there and I had the absolute time of my life. It was nothing like what I had expected or what I had heard, uh, you know, just reading and seeing things online about how the community overall felt uh, about Coachella. Uh, Instead, you know, I, I came out being able to form my own opinion about it. Uh, to see the the overwhelmingly positive things. And there are a couple of negative things as well. Um, but yeah, 2019 had an amazing time. So going into 2022, this time around with our, our squad, I uh, was super excited once again. And so this year, I still had a fantastic time. And um, I mean, it's definitely a, a, a 
a huge adjustment, I would say, going into this festival from, I guess, our perspective, because, you know, we've gotten older by three years. I mean, it's really <laughs> been like three years since a major music festival has occurred. And so a lot of things have changed, you know, a lot of music genre trends, a lot of the crowd is different. For sure. Um, TikTok is a major thing now. And so if you thought influencers and Instagram was a thing, you know, in previous Coachella's, it's even more ramped up now because of TikTok and the crowd that those type of influencers bring. But when it comes down to it, pretty much everyone there is there for a good time and for the music. And so I had a really good time this year. Uh, Sean, I know it was your first time going to Coachella and this is something that you have been wanting to go to since I've known you maybe even prior to us really becoming best friends. How'd you feel about time. your first time? Yeah, I think I was probably like junior year. I still don't remember exactly what was the first lineup that I saw that really got me into like music festivals and reading about lineup posters and tracking them. And it might've been, I think it was the summer before, of course, if you know me, it all starts with Coldplay usually. When I think of things musically, Coldplay was doing promo tours or a promo tour before their uh, Miles Zylato album and they were only hitting festivals. So I was like fully introduced. I mean, we've heard of Woodstock before and this kind of thing, but I didn't know it was still a thing. I thought Woodstock just happened once and it was like this miraculous thing. You know, I wasn't aware that these things happen every year all around the world and just watching Coldplay play a couple here and there, I was slowly introduced. So it's been, you know, like, I think that was 2011, 10-ish, 12. So probably at least 10 years that I've been wanting to go. And like you said, we've hit a few, you know, I've been to Lollapalooza many times. We hit Firefly. You've been to Bonnaroo. Um, you know, some of the obviously bigger EDM music festivals as well, Electric Forest and things like that. I've been to some, you know, some of the smaller indie ones like Music Midtown and um, a bunch of ones basically that we've been to. But this was by far the biggest because it is the biggest in North America. And you could tell there was something different about it. Like it, I know we went weekend one, so it was a little bit more hype, three years off. But there's a different atmosphere to it. They bring a scope to this festival that you cannot match anywhere else, maybe like Glastonbury in the UK. But there's nothing in North America, or at least our side of the world, that matches the scope of this festival. And you kind of see it. One of the big things is just the space of, you know, Lollapalooza is in a massive Grand Park where it takes, you know, a mile to get from one end to the other. But Coachella still felt bigger, even though it was a little bit more tightly packed and easier to get from stage to stage because of just the amount of people, the amount of hype and just all the brands around it. And, you know, you're at Coachella, you know, it's not a festival in Chicago. It's not you're just here or there. There's people doing other things. Everybody is there for Coachella. It is built around you know, this little mini city that pops up in the middle of the desert. And that's the other thing too. You're in the middle of the desert. It's extremely scenic. There's mountains on the background. There's palm trees. The grass, at least in the beginning, is actually green. You know, it's not like you're running around on the desert. Although for a weekend too, you probably felt that way if you went. Um, yeah, there's just something different that lives up to the hype because, you know, you, a lot of these things that are so massive, you hear about it and you're like, there's no way it can actually live up to it. You know, you hear people complain all the time. Oh, they're just influencers walking around. They just want to be seen. No one cares about the music festival. It's just a festival. And it is mm -hmm. bigger than a music festival, but there is something different. Like you said, everybody's there for a good time. I was highly impressed. It, despite the crowd, clearly, you know, people dress out a little bit more. Um, people are always taking pictures. You can tell there's, you know, influencers in that type of 
vibe. I was really impressed by it. I wasn't really pushed once. Maybe for like the headliners when we were close. Really only like the weekend we had we ever, which was the last set of the entire weekend. Did we have anybody kind of like push us in an annoying way, which, you know, happens all the time in other concerts, other festivals. I thought everybody kind of had a pretty relaxed vibe. And like you said, it combines those people of, you know, there's enough people camping and anytime there's people camping, they're always a little bit more laid back because they're struggling through basically, you know, the elements. They're a little bit more vibey, taking it a little bit slower and it kind of mellows down the crowd. So I was really impressed by the crowd. Um, and let's just hit and, on the next And, and you know, you, you know, like j- just to let the listeners, for, for those of you that haven't been to Coachella, when we say that this festival is amazing, just to put in some context, like, if you have ever gone to a music festival before or even thinking about going to something, um, the reason why we would both recommend Coachella so much is because if you enjoy music, meaning that if you have a specific taste in big mainstream artists, even down to you know uh, smaller indie artists, and you love discovering new music, there is no other festival that is able to create and curate a lineup that is catered towards everyone. I mean, like, I kid you not, there is music for every type of person at Coachella. We're talking yeah. international people, international superstars, interna- very niche international uh, stars. And then we also have, you know, amazing up and coming indie artists. There's rock music, EDM, uh, I mean, alternative. There's even, you know, Screamo, pretty much anything that you could ever think of. Rap is there at Coachella. And it is set up very, very well. I think it's ran incredible for the amount of people that go and the actual scale and size of the pro- project. To actually pull something of that size off is extremely impressive. And yeah, there'll be some hiccups here and there, but we'll go into an issue that we had on the first night, which was totally resolved by the last two nights, uh, essentially, um, in terms of transportation. But again, that's kudos to Golden Voice uh, that runs that festival and and the management that put on the event. It's just an amazing time and an amazing place. And most importantly, you have people all around the world come into one spot just to vibe out and have fun and let loose for three days. Yeah. And that was a cool part too. You know, we took the shuttle in. There's people from Australia on our bus. We were sitting next to these two girls who came all the way from Switzerland. Um, we were at a, a set and the people in front of us were from France. So it is really cool how people come all around the world. And I think, again, that just shows the scope of it. And like you said, one of the main things is they just have a lot of times, especially if you're a nerd like us, where you just, you see a music festival lineup come out, you're not even going to go to the music festival, but you still send it to other people and kind of break it down, even though you have like no intentions of going to, you know, the middle of nowhere, Kansas for some music festival, but you're still breaking down the lineups. One of the things that Coachella does is obviously they are one of the first, so they get the kind of first dibs and people are overlapping with them, but they always have at least a few acts every day that only they book, you know, like Anita, Brazilian superstar, massive around the world, a little bit less heard of with the general American English speaking audience. They get her and she goes all out, even though she's on the afternoon set, there's like three, four acts after her on the main stage. She's got a full production. She brings out Snoop Dogg. And you know, then they get someone like Danny Elfman, who we only hear about, you know, like, oh, I remember listening to him because we like film composers. Had no idea he had some funk rock, I don't even know, 80s synth band. And he has a set there that, you know, that's not going to be played anywhere else 
around the world. And then, of course, you know, to which we can get to, but wasn't planned. But you get something like The Weeknd and Swedish House Mafia doing a crossover that that's only going to happen once at Coachella. So that's the really unique part. And then, of course, the guests, which we'll get to uh, coming up here. But I think one of the cool things we can start off with before we go day by day through the acts is just the, deep, the differences between Weekend 1 and 2. Obviously, we went to Weekend 1 and Weekend 2 we watched on the live stream. Um, main difference is full breakdown just for those. Basically, Weekend 1 is a little bit more of the hype, right? Because no one knows what to expect. All the guests are surprises, you know, which also comes with a little bit of rough hits here or there. They haven't worked out maybe some of the technical issues we saw with the weekend and Swedish House Mafia came out 40 minutes late when we saw them and they get those things worked out and their weekend two set is a lot better. But weekend one, the grass, like we talked about, is actually green. It's not a dust bowl, which is the only, probably the worst part of Coachella is you're in the desert. So you start blowing your nose at night and it all comes out black and you have to wear a bandana, not because it looks cool, not because of COVID, but because you just inhale so much dust. So that's a little bit better weekend one. But at weekend two, they say the crowd is a little bit, you know, there's just less people. There's less people just going for Coachella. They're just there to kind of, I don't know. It's probably the same, honestly. I feel like that part's a little bit overhyped. Maybe they're just a little bit less there to be seen, you know, as it comes with something that just happened. If you do it a second time, it's just going to have a little less hype around it. But the more important thing, Let's get to the music. Harrison, you break it down. Who won Weekend 1 or Weekend 2 with the special guest? Give me some of your highlights with some of the, the best part about Coachella that people always talk about is the I special mean, guests that show up. Who won Weekend 1 or Weekend 2? I don't even think it's debatable, to be honest. Like Weekend 1. Uh, and put everything aside, this is the reason why Coachella is such an amazing festival. I mean, you get one of the biggest headlining bands in the world to literally show up maybe like a day before you drop the lineup a day before and you have arcade fire play a sunset slot in the mojave tent which is not even the main stage it's not the even the second stage. or third biggest stage it's the fourth, fourth, biggest fourth. Stage. yeah it is fourth yeah fourth biggest stage and they i mean that is literally the magic of coachella like to just be able to pull arcade fire out of a hat and plant them there and say you know what you're only playing one weekend have fun. And uh, that we definitely did from that standpoint. I mean, that that's pretty much all that needs to be said. You know, I like both weekends, you're going to have amazing surprises come out. You know, like, for example, I, I remember 2019, I was a little bummed because, you know, Tam Paula brought out ASAP Rocky for weekend two, and then Cuddy brought out Kanye before Kids See Ghost for weekend two. I went weekend one, but I still got to see some amazing people at the time. And so that's just something that you can't actually prepare for. Uh, whatever happens, happens, and you enjoy the moment. But if I were to say this year, I mean, just the fact that we were able to have a headlining artist, and and Sean, uh, I definitely, you know, want to hear your full story about that because uh, I know you love Arcade Fire a ton. Um, you rate them very highly, and the fact that they were <laughs> able to show up a day before we walk into the festival grounds, I mean, take us through that and your emotions on that. Yeah, for sure. So let's just go day by day. We'll start with our Friday. Um, and that was my birthday. So I remember the whole week, one of my favorite things to do about a music festival, like I said, I'm a nerd for this. I will do it for festivals I'm not even going to, is make a schedule, right? So the most important part for me is the set times. You got to see who's overlapping with who, what decisions you have to make. It's the brutal part of festivals, especially mega ones like this, where there's so many artists you want to see. 
but it's also the most exciting part. And I was, you could, you can agree with this. I was being kind of probably annoying about it, like refreshing constantly the app, like where are these set times? Why are they being so ridiculous? And little did I know they were doing it because they were trying to book a headlining band in Arcade Fire to just show up and work all around that. So obviously that was the highlight of for me on Friday. Um, I, I had a, a religious experience, honestly. I remember... I think I was seeing like the Maria's beforehand, which was like a very chill indie vibe, which was really cool. But I remember immediately after being like settled, just thinking the whole time because their stage was right next to the Mojave tent. And I just kept thinking like the arcade fires in 50 minutes, arcade fires in 30 minutes. And I remember when you told, like when you sent the text that they were on it, I just was like so hyped. And Christian who went with us was kind of like, Oh yeah, that's cool. And I was like, did you guys not No, You guys don't understand. This is a headlining band, one of the best I've ever seen live. So just to see them on that smaller stage, I didn't know what to expect. And like one song in, you immediately knew. And they played a new one too. I was immediately entranced. I was losing it. This girl next to me and this one other guy both knew like every song. And me and them were just like vibing the whole time, going back and forth losing it i think the girl started crying halfway through i almost started crying it was truly a religious experience the way just the sheer like power of how many people they have on stage the band and all their songs just have some element even if you don't know the words you still can like feel the emotions of it and they do the thing where they almost like never stop in between songs so they only had like an hour and they packed in a full set somehow I don't even know how they did it by playing new songs and everyone just hit more and more and more. And then the last one, Wake Up, is one of the greatest live songs of all time. Any band, any genre. It's If you gave me a Mount Rushmore of live songs, it's definitely on there for me. That chorus, look it up if you don't know what I'm talking about. You've heard it. You've heard it on movie trailers. You've heard it on inspirational videos. It was incredible live. And they had them inflated like those, you know, the ones you see outside of a local car dealership inflatables just popped out of the stage out of nowhere, which was crazy. And just to put all that, like you said, put all that production together after they were announced maybe like two days of planning beforehand was absolutely unreal. And it was an afternoon set on the first day. And I mean, there were a lot of other highlights, but for me, it was number one, by far best set of the weekend. I just think it was crazy that number one, like, it was on your birthday and, and, and the amount of artists that we got to see on Friday was absolutely incredible. I think everybody brought their A game. And I just remember after arcade fire being done, we, we were separated because obviously I had some issues with my stomach. <laughs> um, but I was in the back of the tent and I knew that you were up there somewhere. And there was a 15 minute span where, uh, I would say arcade fire played the best 15 minutes out of any single performer that entire weekend. So for that 15 minutes, that 15 minutes was better than any hour set that I had seen the entire weekend. And I just knew that you were having the time of your life. And I remember meeting with you after and you were like, oh man, we still have like five hours left of this Friday to go. And so, yeah, that, that day was incredible. Um, and yeah, I mean, getting into the other artists that we, we got to see on Friday, I mean, it was such a yeah, loaded give me day. Your, yeah, give me your breakdown. Because I went... We were at John Summit, then to Bishop Briggs, who played Pregnant, still woozy. We caught the end of Role Model. I went to see the Marias. I think that's where we split. Arcade Fire. I rushed over to Madeon. Then we went Phoebe Bridgers, Daniel Caesar, Harry Styles. So that was kind of our path. 
we can talk about, I think we missed out on some of the acts that we wanted to see that day were, um, who did we miss? We missed out on Lil Baby. We didn't go see Lewis the Child. Uh, we missed out on Baby Keem. You know, some of the names that uh, we kind of had to skip over because that's how, you know, King Gizzard and the Wizard Lizard, Carly Rae Lane, Lane 8. Lane 8, yeah. There were a lot of conflicts. Friday was loaded. So that was our path, what we took. You tell me what was your favorite of the weekend and some of the highlights of that day. Not the weekend, sorry, Friday. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, during the Maria's, uh, I went over to the main stage just for a little bit just to check out Anita. And I thought it was really cool just because... I mean, you know, 62, 62 million follower superstar from Brazil playing an afternoon slot, you know, right before Arcade Fire. Like this, I mean, before we get into your, your question, Sean, I just want to ask you, like, can you just let everyone know the scale of how big Anita is when it comes to music, especially in Brazil and in the Latin world? Yeah, so she sings in English, Portuguese, and Spanish. So she crosses over with a bunch of different countries. She's not just a... Brazilian superstar. Obviously, Brazilians are, it's, you know, top five most populous country in the world. So they're not only in Brazil, they have spread their loud and great, beautiful culture many places around the world, including Southern California. So there were plenty of them there. I'm sure you saw some Brazilian flags. I was sad I missed her. But just to give you a little idea, immediately afterwards, one of my colleagues that I worked with who is Brazilian texted me. He's like, did you see Anita? I was like, no, I had to miss it because I had to get close to her arcade fire. And she's like, I was like, but I'm sure it was huge. Like her set was crazy. And she showed me, immediately showed me a picture. It was like front page of the Brazilian newspaper, like bringing out that she brought out Snoop Dogg, you know, for an act. Yeah. And, and the press the was there. You know, like, the US, yeah. Like I have no idea who she is. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, that was cool. Yeah. That, that was really cool just to check out for a little bit. Um, and yeah, maybe and she brought out Snoop Neon was definitely one of the best like EDM sets of the weekend, uh, and just from like a productions standpoint. And his ability to play live is really nice. Um, yeah, he he definitely had. If you're just talking about visuals, he definitely had the best visuals of the weekend. Crazy, like a extremely curated set. I mean, there was one point where, like, uh, your your old roommate uh, Christian, his first time at a music festival, he hadn't really known who Medion was, but he was absolutely having the time of his life and. At one point, Medion was even like levitating. This is a man who told state. me his favorite band was Nickelback. Just for clarification, you know, this is how <laughs> low his musical taste was before we opened him up to the world. And yeah, man, we got Medion levitating above like the outdoor stage, and and just, I mean, I it was just incredible. Like, if you ever get the chance to see him, uh, you know, we would definitely recommend that. Even if you don't yeah, like, Harry says levitating. He means like the dude looked like he was levitating. Just Google if you're not driving. Google Medion Coachella and just the pictures that or look up his Instagram. He looks like he's sitting like just a Zorro mass silhouette sitting on the side of a cliff. I still don't know how he pulled it off. It was crazy. Yeah. And then obviously I got to see, we got to see one of our favorite artists, pretty close actually, way closer than we were for Firefly. Once again, Phoebe Bridgers and um, Phoebe was great as always. She made me cry two songs in. So <laughs> before we uh, even got to Tiny Saddle. Yeah. Yeah. And she sounded amazing. Um, it just got me to reaffirm like how I feel about her as an artist even more. And, and I was thinking about it actually today before, uh, we started doing this podcast about just like amazing singer songwriters and of this generation. And I would have to say Fever is definitely at 
the forefront with a few other uh, artists in terms of creating amazing, amazing lyrical songs with so many intricate meanings. But from like a listening standpoint, it's just very like simple. And and that I think that is a, a really fantastic ability to have. It kind of reminds me of like Joni Mitchell, which um, yeah, I think Recall. is a good comparison. And then obviously after I'm sure that, she would love that comparison too. <laughs> I think she would. Yeah. So Phoebe, if you're listening, just just know. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, last last but not least, like I know we were all super hyped to see Harry Styles the headline. Before Harry, though, we got another boy. Oh yeah, yeah. Totally forgot. Yeah. So I mean, Daniel Caesar came out, uh, did his thing. Now for him, like and and other artists like Giveon. Um, if you're not super into their songs or familiar, you might get bored pretty easily, but if you enjoy like, you know, just solid singing performance and a very nice, relaxing, mellow vibe, uh, it was great. And, you know, Daniel was able to do his thing and actually out of nowhere, he brings out probably the biggest superstar, male superstar in the world, I would say, Justin Bieber to do peaches. So, um, (laughs) that was pretty cool. Uh, there were some rumors that day that he would come out and uh, to see the Beebs just run across the stage and perform was definitely something that I didn't th- I, I didn't think I'd ever see. And, and uh, yeah, Sean, how, how do you feel about seeing Beebs for the first time? Yeah, it was crazy because he's on tour. And when you told me that like TMZ was reporting it, I was like, what, is he going to fly? Because I think he has a couple East Coast tour dates. Like, So he flew over just for that. And it was really, he did his verse. Like they didn't even do the whole song. He did his verse did one chorus and then like walked off and that was it but it's just crazy to see like the power of kind of that iconic figure like we're talking about you know with anita and how coachella was able to just bring all these icons out of nowhere where you see kind of the influence they have because everybody's phones went up everybody went crazy like oh my god that's justin bieber my friend who was also at the festival didn't go see daniel caesar because she didn't know him that well and was pissed because she didn't get to see justin bieber who's like her favorite so it was cool to be able to say you were in that moment. That was one of those Coachella moments of the weekend. And it was cool, you know, even though it's not about the hype, the best thing is the music. And it's not about seeing the guests. It's about who was actually on the lineup. But it was admittedly really cool to be there for that moment. Like, yeah, I was there when Daniel Caesar brought out Justin Bieber. Because that's the only time it's going to happen. That was that one singular moment. You tell that story to someone and they're, you know, even if they hate Bieber, their reaction is going to be like, wow, that was, that's crazy. You know, it's very unexpected. So mm-hmm. also to getting back to Phoebe before we get to your reaction to obviously the headliner, then we'll move to Saturday. One cool thing about Phoebe was we've seen that set before. We had just seen her in September, still beautiful as ever because her voice is amazing. Her band is great. But one of the cool things about festivals is sometimes you see in a band that you think, you know, their music and then the way they play live, it kind of turns you one way or the other. Like either you become a bigger fan because their music sounds better live at a festival or sometimes they don't hit that much at a festival. Their live act, you know, the music doesn't translate as well and you kind of not become less of a fan, but it doesn't hit as much. But festivals do a great job of making you more of a fan. And like we said, my friend Christian had, you know, didn't know any of these acts. I gave him playlists like a week beforehand and credit to him. He learned a lot of songs before just in that week, like just listening to the playlist we curated for him. But one of the ones he was like, dude, I'm not going with you to Phoebe Bridgers. Like, it's too sad. It's too sad. I don't like this. Sad. Why? Well, I'm going to a festival to be happy. I don't want to be sad. But he didn't want to lose us. So we ended up, he, and he wanted to stay for Daniel Caesar and Harry Styles. So he stuck with us. And I remember after the set, he looked at us. He was like, wow, 
that was amazing. Like she was way better than I expected. So mm-hmm. it kind of shows like the talent, you know, the real talented musicians and artists are better on a stage than they are in your headphones. And she was an example of that. So we will get to the main event now. Harry Styles, probably the best headlining set, definitely weekend one, but by far the best headliner of the weekend. We saw all three. The one that probably sparked the most TikToks, the most memes. Man was licking his fingers in weekend two. The one that everybody likes. What did you think of Harry Styles? It was your first time seeing him. Did he live up to the hype? Yeah, 100%. I mean, it's just crazy to think about this guy's like career trajectory, you know, from a uh, Brandon's Got Talent or X Factor. I think it was X Factor, actually. Yeah. X-Factor. Uh, you know, lad to to come on to the show and then with 1D and and now to become a i mean he's i wouldn't even consider him like a pop star you know the man's a rock star like he's up there yeah performing playing instruments dancing moving running backwards i mean he's pretty much doing everything besides front flips and i'm sure he could probably do that too (laughs) amazing crowd control amazing talent um fantastic singer i mean we were deep in there we were deep in there we were close yeah, we had we had great seats to the whole shebang. Uh, we got to see you know his his girlfriend, uh, other celebrities. A ton of celebrities were there just to see him. Like Phineas was walking around. I'm sure Billy was there too, Billy Eilish. Um, but yeah, like from a spectacle standpoint, he definitely delivered. And I would recommend any person. I you know I I would think that most of our listeners that are female enjoy hairstyles. But if you're, you know, just a guy and, and you have this uh, apprehension about listening to him because you're like, oh, you know, Harry Styles, you know, man was on One Direction, uh, boy band. Listen, totally different type of music, totally different uh, lyrical content uh, and subjects. And the music that he's making now is absolutely incredible. If you get the chance to see him, it's the time you will have the time of your life it's also a great conversation starter if you're just you know like sean and <laughs> able to tell girls that you've seen harry styles twice um and so yeah john i know he's like a person that you tend to model your life after or try <laughs> to from a aesthetic and uh just lifestyle standpoint inspiration so, i'll admit to that yeah yeah so considering he was you got to spend the last hour of your birthday with him at Coachella. Um, you know, how did you find that that hour and period with Harry? Yeah, so I was hyped. I mean, I know he was one of the last minute replacements. This the headliners for this festival changed a bunch. And he was one of the more controversial ones, right? Obviously, different crowd, maybe got a lot of tickets sold that weren't intending to go. Um, people who were you know, more hype for Kanye West, probably like Harry Styles, man. Like you said, boy band, this is not what I want. But I had seen him. I went by myself when he was in Orlando to that show. I was blown away. I like his music. I remember his first single, which was really bold, right out of One Direction. His first single on his solo career is a almost seven minute long power rock ballad, and which was right up my alley. And I was sold day one. I was like, oh, I like what this guy's doing. That first album obviously wasn't as big as the second one, which has sparked, you know, him as an internal meme and all of his insane fans on uh, kind of the colorful, vibrant thing, aesthetic that is associated with him now. His first album is kind of, like you said, it's a rock album. Like it's a mellow indie rock album. And I thought it was beautiful. I think it's still his best. We'll see how Harry's house comes out. I think it's still his best stuff. 
Um, so yeah, just to see him kind of balance that of he's such a huge level and he came out, like you said, and just fully performed in a way that was a headlining performance. You know, it's one guy, but he has, his band is amazing. He has a full band, you know, they don't really play like, even when he covers a one direction song, which is really cool that he still plays what makes you beautiful. It's kind of a rockier version. You know, there's not a backing track. It's not the pop mm-hmm. version that you hear on the radio. The band's going all in. His drummer is amazing. He mixes it up too. It's really diverse, you know, racially and um, gender wise, which you don't see very often in a rock band. And like you said, but the dude just knows how to control a crowd, which is kind of the main thing you see when an artist performs. Sometimes their music is great. Like even someone we love, right? Like Kevin Parker for Tame Impala. Kevin Parker is a bad front man. Like dude just kind of stands there. Doesn't, you know, his banter is kind of cool because of he's cool. But if you just saw him on like a bar on a Friday night before they got big, you'd be like, this guy's kind of awkward, you know? That's why mm-hmm. they have all these lasers and these crazy visuals because they don't have to do that. But Harry knows how to control the crowd. He doesn't need, even though he had some cool visuals, he doesn't need all that spectacle. Just his pure energy is he is amazing. He is exactly. And he doesn't and even like, another- you know, he dances, but not that well. He's not Beyonce out there. He's just giving it to you that you kind of want to give that same energy back. It's unreal. Exactly, exactly. And speaking of spectacles, I mean, one of the biggest surprise, probably I think the biggest surprise of the whole weekend was who he brought out. Um, yeah. <clears throat> none other than country music Queen. legend, Canadian native herself, Miss Shania Twain, which, you know, they, the last thing that I expected, <laughs> but let's just give you, you know, a rundown of what happened. We were, we were enjoying the time. It was probably like two thirds of the way through. And then all of a sudden you just hear the electric guitar chords to uh, feel like a woman come on. <laughs> and, you, and the whole crowd just loses it. You know, it plays like three more times and then Harry just turns around and you see Shania Twain just rise up from the ground <laughs> and everyone just goes crazy. My girlfriend is uh She's from Nashville, and her family's in music. Her great uh, grandma's in the Country Music Hall of Fame. So they, they, the entire family, they all love Shania Twain. And she was having the time of her life. She loves Harry Styles, and so it was just like the perfect marriage for her. It was a great combo. And I mean, we were picking out uh, festival outfits um, for you, Sean, and <laughs> literally a day <laughs> before you got a Shania Twain shirt. And uh, you manifested it, man. I don't know if you knew that she was coming out or not. Uh, inside sources. Yeah, yeah. But she came out and they performed two songs together. And that was awesome. I mean, that 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 was something that I'll always remember for the rest of my life is, is, is to be able to see those two perform together. Uh, a special moment, most definitely. Yeah, it was incredible. Because, I mean, he had sung that song. Well, he'd sung You're Still the One with Casey Musgraves at a show in New York once. Great YouTube video. If you haven't seen it, look it up. But to do it with Shania, obviously, is next level. And you could see how much the cool part, too, is they talked in between. They did two songs together. In between, you could see just the pure admiration of how happy, you know, Harry was to share this stage with her. It was a really cool moment. And even, too, I remember, you know, there were some fully Gen Z, full braces, teenagers next to us losing their minds. And, you know, they didn't really know who what was going on. You know, they kind of maybe you could tell like the song sounds kind of familiar. They were probably hoping for someone else that Harry would bring out, maybe a One Direction reunion. But even they got into it. You know, after the couple songs, just the pure energy and Shania sounded great, looked great. 
still rocking. Um, yeah, like you said, just the pure surprise of it. Like that was another Coachella moment that was so cool to be there that will never happen again, you know, which is a really, really cool part of it. And his whole set was amazing. So Friday yeah. for me, best day by far. Let's move to Hell Saturday. Birthday. Probably the best yeah. birthday you've ever had. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> it's hard to, <laughs> going to be hard Wait, to top that one. Uh, before we segue into Saturday, I, I just want to, you know, spend a few minutes to talk about um, this one aspect of Coachella because I feel like you can't talk about Coachella without mentioning kind of like the art and especially the fashion um, mm-hmm. because in a way, Coachella in itself is also like a fashion exhibit. Um, and I just want to ask you, like, did you, did you find anything, you know, a little out of the ordinary, something that caught your eye in terms of like the type of people that went to the festival or what they were wearing at all? Because uh, I know for you and us uh, in our group in particular, like we had some pretty cool outfits enough so that like people were coming up and, you know, asking to take photos of us for their blogs or whatever. But (laughs) yeah. Um, I know like just leading up to it, I know it was very hyped and definitely an aspect of it. So I was looking forward to seeing, you know, fashion is something that, I mean, I like shoes, but I've never been great at it. I've never, you know, most of what I know some, someone has taught me, right? So uh, to see like it in person was cool because I thought it was actually struck a pretty good balance of, you know, there's some people who fully go out there, they're all out and they kind of be like, okay, that looks cool. Or that's one like person standing out. You kind of look at them, whatever. But there was a good amount of people, you know, finding a way to be look cool and look different. But it wasn't like, you know, an EDM festival where everyone's wearing like crazy festival outfits. But you're like, that serves, there's no like functionality to it. Like it was a good balance of you could wear it to somewhere cool, like a beach club or something, but also still a music festival. It was very unique and that it was a Coachella outfit, which is the only festival in the world where you do this you know everyone else is like oh you dressing for a music festival here you dress for coachella which is really interesting and i think it kind of lived up to that i was surprised gen- i was pleasantly surprised that it wasn't too much you know everyone kind of did the same thing definitely there were many trends people were re- reading the same articles for guys there you know a lot of button down floral pattern shirts myself included guilty uh for girls there was a lot of knitted things you know i think one of the main trend we saw was kind of like a sheer knitted skirt or bottom over like a kind of like a bikini bottom type of thing there's definitely a lot of knitted clothing a lot of a ton of euphoria makeup yeah the euphoria makeup a lot of eye wings a lot of cowboy hats which was unexpected you know i thought stagecoach was two weeks later not at coachella but i guess people maybe casey musgraves has started that harry's who i don't know where that comes from but every time you see uh somewhat gen z artists now there's a lot of cowboy hats in the crowd so yeah i i enjoyed even though some people find it as an annoying part of the festival i thought it wasn't as annoying as i expected it to be yeah yeah and, I, and definitely like uh from the demographic standpoint i would say coachella for sure has probably the most beautiful people that just attend the festival um mm-hmm. and, and it's really again that comes from the fact that these people are just traveling all over the world. So you get to see so many amazing people that you would normally, you know, unless you live in like a super diverse city or something, you're, you're unable to be around that in an environment, even some other major festivals, you know, like Bonnaroo, Lollapalooza, you're not going to yeah. be running into, you know, like 10 different countries just on a bus ride over to the, to the festival ground. So 
Yeah, true. It's very unique. And then like Lollapalooza, you know, there's a bunch of like college kids and high school kids who, you know, all the guys are dressed in basketball jerseys, a camping festival like Bonnaroo, you know, people are slumming it a little bit because they're camping. So Coachella definitely has a different aspect to it that Mm -hmm. is very unique. And and what do you think of the food, Sean? Because you know, Coachella, the food at Coachella is a big deal. They get like some of the best, biggest food companies, uh, trendiest food companies to come through and, 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 and set up shop. So what are you, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, honestly, you know, music festivals, anytime you go to a concert, a Disney park, you know, amusement park, a sporting event, anytime you're somewhere that's trapped, like you pay for a ticket to get in and you're not allowed to bring food in, the food is going to be outrageously expensive just because they can. And Coachella was no different. Every meal was like 20 bucks each. The only difference was we didn't have a single like bad time. You know, usually you go to a music festival, you kind of want to like, oh, I don't want to eat that. That might give me stomach issues. Uh, Pay $20 for these chicken tenders that are so sad. You know, the French fries aren't crisp. Just doesn't hit right. It's cheap food, but they charge you too much. Coachella is not like that. At least you're paying a lot of money, but at least you're getting quality food from real restaurants, like brands you've heard of, like Hattie B's, local shops from LA come out they were really good i think the best thing i ate were like these uh vietnamese noodles you had the hattie b's hot chicken sandwich like i mentioned we had vegan burgies vegan burgers oh my god um so many different things like we had something different every time from different parts of the world that part was really cool yeah all right let's go saturday i think we stayed together all of saturday um you know as the days go you show up a little bit later so we missed some of the early acts um but then we, we went needed to Japanese. we needed to recover from our shuttle fiasco they got us back to the hotel 5 a.m true that is the only bad part of coachella is leaving is a mess but, but yeah so saturday go ahead yeah yeah i mean going into saturday now i you know again we stuck together for this yeah, so I we did Saturday, Japanese Breakfast, Arlo Parks, Rina Sawayama, Disclosure, Caroline Polachek, Flume, Strome, to Billie Eilish. That was our Saturday. Yeah, yeah, no, that was something I was super happy about. Because I, I knew, like, going into the festival, I definitely wanted to see a lot more of, of the artists on, on the undercard. Especially, like, nowadays, you just have so many amazing female artists, and they're all popping off in their own way, in their own lane. Um, and we got to see, you know, four female artists in a row, pretty much. Uh, but totally different in what they do and, 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 you know, what they, uh, are able to perform performance wise, uh, starting with Japanese breakfast. I thought she was really good. Um, her and her band, uh, went to Arlo parks immediately after all of us and got to catch the end of her set. She actually brought a few Ridgers, which we weren't able to see. Um, but that was really cool as well. And yeah, like out of all of the, I mean, but, between those four artists that we saw, those four female artists that we saw in a row, Sean, um, did you have one in particular that you really enjoyed? Um, we had seen Arlo before. I like her music the most, but she's very chill live. Uh, Japanese Breakfast sounded great. Their last song that they played was, you know, kind of one of those ones where we did an extended outro that sounds different on the record than it does live, which is always a favorite thing of mine that if an artist can pull that off. But I think my favorite i mean rena sawayama was fun i didn't really know any of her songs i kind of just went follow you but she was a good time even though i didn't know her music but i think the number one for me was caroline polachek just because her voice was unreal of uh, she sounds like a siren from the odyssey who's going to lure you away on your ship and 
sing you to your doom, but you don't care because it just sounds so beautiful anyways. Yeah, she, I mean, she straight up sounds like a siren. And for me, at least, I think she had the best like vocal performance out of any artist at, at Coachella that, that weekend. Like Some of the notes that she was hitting, just absolutely effortless. And you and I, you know, try and reenact some of her singing. <laughs> and it sounds like uh, we're getting ready to, you know, shatter some glass. So Yeah. <laughs> I still don't know how she does it. She's just kind of one of those ethereal creatures on stage where, I mean, I knew a couple of her songs, but just her perform even the songs that you don't know, you're kind of just lost and like, whoa, what is going on? What is this? What is yeah. this angelic voice yeah, that is filling it, my ears? It's one thing to be lost when like you're listening to a band and they're just reaching into like a flow state almost. And you're like, wow, this is incredible. You know, all these instruments sound amazing. They all blend in together. It's just perfect acoustics for your ears. But it's also another thing to just get lost into a voice. And that's why going back to the, you know, the siren uh, analogy, she is literally a siren. And she also has a song called Sirens with another artist that we saw that day. Um, who got big time billing on the main stage in Flume. So I'll yeah, say take it away. That was an artist that a lot of people told me I had to go see. You're obviously uh the one who put me on to I mean I knew his famous songs, but you put me on to more to get hyped for this set. Give us the breakdown of Flume. Yeah. I think personally, uh Flume is definitely one of the most talented producers in EDM. And that was my third time seeing him live. Um, I will say that going back to the positives and negatives of Coachella, the, the one aspect I will say about Coachella that kind of, uh, sinks a little bit is the EDM artists at Coachella, because it almost kind of feels like they have to play to the crowd essentially, and not kind of just free form and, and, and go off like they normally would. And so for example, like while Flume, you know, was an, an enjoyable experience for us. Um, I still feel like he had a lot more that was left in the tank that could have been unleashed. It, I mean, it was cool. He brought out like 10 guests. He brought out pretty much like every single person. Everyone. <laughs> yeah, Vince Staples, Tavlo, uh, Kuchka. Um, Beck. <laughs> yeah, he brought out Beck. Uh, so many people. Uh, Caroline Polachek. And, and it, it was awesome. Like, you know, he has amazing songs that everyone loves to sing along to and vibe out to. But I, I still feel like anytime I've seen an EDM artist on the main stage at Coachella, it just doesn't hit right because it's yeah. just the stage is so big and you have to have like a certain type of personality to be able to fill up the stage. Like I remember seeing Zed back in 2019. I've seen Zed probably like five or six times now. That was the worst I've ever seen him just because it's really tough to engage an audience that big. Too big. And, when you're just playing like your best songs, because at Coachella as an Indian artist, like you, you, you're almost required to play your best songs because for most people, that's what they want to come and see you for. But for other people that really, you know, attend EDM music festivals and like to attend, you know, EDM artists concerts, you know, exactly what I'm saying when I say that those sets are a little bit more curated, a little bit more personal and, when you find the right artist to hit you with one of those personal sets, it, it is something very magical because, you know, th that type of genre of music is, is very different in a way than other music just because you're not playing, you know, actual real instruments. But there are many a times where you can, you know, set the tone, set the mood and, and 
be able to create something that had the time of your life. Kind of like similar to what you and me saw, you know, back last year when we saw Sophie Tucker. Um, they're an EDM duo, but we had the absolute time of our life. Probably one of the best sets at that festival that we saw. And I just wish at Coachella there were more opportunities for EDM artists to to showcase their talents yeah. like that. And another thing I want to bring up too is just disclosures right before Flim actually. And we left like 10 minutes in. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, I mean, probably an unpopular opinion for most people, but uh, you know, I, I thought they were pretty garbage. Like, yeah, well, they just played a set, like a house set, you know, they were behind the decks. They played a good house set, which like you said, doesn't work in a big outdoor stage as well as it does in kind of a theater or something that's like covered or supposed to be EDM where the crowd is there when it's, when it's such a big audience, you have to, like you said, a little bit play to the crowd a little bit, which is something why a headliner is a headliner. Why Harry Styles can pull that off is because he's able to bring people together that sometimes only comes when you play. You know, I'm not saying that, you know, not one of these guys is like, oh, DJs just press a button. But when you're just playing tracks like from your decks and stuff, it does, it's not the same as playing something live you know when you don't have any instrumentation which disclosure can do and like you said you know some of like the artists who do mix it up and like play a live instrument it just brings a different energy that brings the crowd in a little bit more that kind of gets lost when it's just a dj on such a big stage yeah yeah exactly so i mean after that i think it was only right that we ended up seeing somebody who in my personal opinion was the best set of the entire uh weekend because i I had the time of my life Um, definitely my favorite of saturday yeah i had no idea what he was saying i i don't speak french (laughs) at all but uh sean can you give a little introduction to the man himself please yeah so i mean i've heard of him before because of his one major hit and because shout out to the previous women in my life for them being cultured and them knowing french who have put me on to the man Strome, the Belgian who, who, superstar. Bro, who who you be hanging out with? Like that? <laughs> <laughs> who are these French people? That's a story for another time. <laughs> they know who they are. And also Coldplay did a song with him as well. So I I knew a little bit about him. You know, like you said, I don't speak French. I know very few words very few phrases so a song sung in french let alone this man's music who is basically writing like really deep poems in his songs even though they sound like club pop bangers all of his songs are really deep and about like issues in the world and mental health things and stuff like that where i just know the chorus you know can sing you know can sing a couple french words don't even know what i'm saying but the man, Strome, blew us away. I had some expectations just because so many people have said he's an amazing live act. He headlines, you know, in Europe. And obviously they gave him a uh, the headlining spot of like the second biggest stage before, right before Billy. And his set was unreal. Just the energy he gave. It was such a production. The man had robots out on the stage. He had a remote control chair that he used that was sliding all around the stage that we didn't know. He had these visual like light boards that were hanging which i read about apparently did more things than even we saw on weekend two because there was limited to the wind but even when we saw them we were like just blown away they were moving in all these crazy directions uh it looked like there was a storm like happening a thunderstorm happening on the stage at one point 
There's a lot uh, going he, on in that. Set. He taught us a dance. He made he stopped the whole set and played this instructional video that taught us like the whole crowd this little basically like a TikTok dance and everyone was doing it because he had the crowd basically like in his palms that everyone was doing this ridiculous, you know, like almost eating a pizza TikTok dance. He has a TikTok dance that he stopped one of his songs to do, if you remember that trend. Um, he had like two Pixar shorts on the screens of his like fully animated films, short films just for his concert. It was absolutely yeah, like, you, you would have thought like John Lasser. I, I mean, well, <laughs> the old John Lasser you know, <laughs> was producing uh, those animated videos for them. Like that were, that's how good that they were. Yeah. Production value by far way and above. If you've never heard of him, even if you don't, like Harrison said, you don't have to speak French. You're still going to just yeah, be but, bopping. But that, honestly, like that, that's why I would have to consider that just my favorite set because when it comes down to it, like you and I, you know, we really enjoy music. We love just the energy and the feelings and the emotions that it's able to captivate, you know, with people around us and, and within us. And I was having the time of my life not even understanding this language, not understanding what was spoken, but you could feel it, you know? And that's like, again, why music is such a great bridge to bring people together because you don't necessarily have to be speaking the same thing to be feeling the same thing. And I think that's something that's just absolutely beautiful. And uh, yeah, I just, I just want to give a huge shout out to Stromae. I, if you ever get a chance to see him uh, on his tour, no. I know he's touring U.S. He's, he's he already sold out Madison Square Garden. Like, <laughs> listen, you don't need to know a single song. You don't need to know French. Uh, yeah, just go, just go, and just you'll go. have the time of your life. I guarantee, I, I guarantee that. I'll put my stamp on that, hundred and ten percent. All right. So before we get to Sunday, and then we'll end with our top five of the weekend. The headliner of Saturday was, of course, the rising queen herself, Billie Eilish. The super Gen Z superstar. We had seen her at Firefly just past September, so a few months ago. That was I had seen her another time in LA before her Happier Than Ever album had come out. So we're very familiar with her. Not blown away. We had none of the unexpected value of seeing Billy for the first time, which I remember the first time I saw her, I was blown away about her stage presence, which was three years ago. So she was probably like 17, 18. Her confidence on stage is unreal. She has no business to be able to run around and kind of like, even she said during her set, she was like, I should not be headlining this shit. I should not be up here. Yeah. Doing <laughs> Sorry, I'm not mind blowing. Yeah. Which I mean, full credit to her for being, you know, self-deprecating and not cocky or well, at least not like, obviously this rise to stardom so fast because could have gotten to her head, but she's so confident, low key, still very humble about it. And it comes through, through her sets um the visuals were great we were kind of far back so the further back you are the less crowd energy you're gonna feel but the crowd did feel a little a little mellow for her set uh her last song happier than ever is still one of the best live songs i've seen i'll put it you know five stars out of five one of the best live songs ever that song just rocks which is amazing uh she brought out the gorillas she brought out tim and albert of the gorillas and de la soul you and I lost it. I'm sure the Gen Z kids, I mean, I guess that song maybe can overlap. They might know it, but you and I were going Let's be honest. They had no on idea what one. was going on. They had no <laughs> idea what was, you and I were arm in arm freaking doing like the Irish jig, dancing our hearts out to that song. I mean, like, when, I got to be honest with you. 
obviously gorillas every time you see them they're animated so i had no idea what you know damian Alvin even looked like when he was on stage i was like oh like this is so cool you know billy Bra-. and again go ahead and make fun of me if you want to everyone out there oh harrison you're so stupid like how do you not know what he looks like like i'm sorry okay i only know the man because he's animated you know what i'm saying so like i thought billy had brought her dad out thing <laughs> and i'm like oh this is awesome like I know she's super close to her family. She's already having a brother play with her every time. <laughs> yeah, yeah like she out. brought out her dad. Clearly wasn't her dad. It was fucking lead singer of the Gorillas, <laughs> and they did feel good ink. And again, another absolutely awesome moment that only yeah. Coachella could provide. Um, and yeah, that was a good way. That was a good way to close out Saturday. And yeah, I'm sure for people that hadn't seen Billy for the first time, they probably were extremely impressed. I think. She's very deserving of headlining. Um, and considering how young she is, I, you know, we can't wait to see what more she has to, to bring. Yeah. And music's great. Artistry is great. Something about her audio, though. This has been a common complaint when she's headlined festivals. People said they can't really hear her. Her audio is always off. When we saw her, she was great at Firefly. It sounded okay, but we were in a prime position. For Coachella, the crowd was a little quiet, but there's something about her mic like picks up the screaming crowd noise. So... It is one of those moments where, you know, if you go see Harry Styles, it is a little bit better than you would expect because the crowd sings every word of every song. But if you go see a boy band or something, right, if you go see Justin Bieber, I'm sure it's still a lot of girls screaming, which can be annoying. But for Billy, there's a little bit of that of young people, which I don't mind. You know, they're having a good time. I don't blame them. But her microphone, for some reason, like picks it up in weird ways, which kind of threw me off a little bit during her set. Mm-hmm. So let's go to Sunday. Great last day. Yes, sir. Easter, baby. The the Lord's Day. All the dust that we were breathing in as it was getting kicked up and the wind was blowing uh, obviously started on a sad note for us. I know he's a very divisive man. We the, the man has nothing left to defend. Okay, I fully agree. Who who are you talking about? I'm talking about the man that wasn't there, the one that we wish had a bunch of FOMO. The Mr. I don't West. know. I don't know who you're talking about. I don't know. I, honestly, whoever you're talking about. I, I just don't know. And exactly. I don't, this is the point we're at. And I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. He's broken my enough. heart, man. Listen, <laughs> it's one thing to get your heart broken by a girl, but as a straight guy, you know how sad it is <laughs> to get your heart broken by a dude? Like, come on, man. So the man was missing, so we had a lot to make up for. We started with Orville Peck, who is, I don't know, the Elvis country Batman. Look him up John if you Wayne. don't know what he looks like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which we can talk about. Then we went to Maggie Rogers, Fred again, Dave, Doja Cat, then to the Swedish House Mafia weekend uh, mashup. So let's start with the early set. We'll save Swedish for later. Actually, let's just go one by one. All these people have good things. Sunday was pretty cool. Cool cool names. Give me uh, what you thought of Orville Peck, a guy that you and I knew a little bit about just kind of his look. It's a dude who wears a mask. No one knows what he actually looks like, but he's kind of a country rock indie alternative singer who's also proudly gay. Um, so basically yeah. in like his own unique lane. I, I think this is the power of like 2022 to be able to have South African born, <laughs> yeah, but, part but a now a Canadian citizen, you know, <laughs> like li- has lived in Canada longer than where he was born in South Africa singing like old time country music. Like this is like talking Johnny John Cash. Wayne, Johnny Cat, <laughs> like, yeah, like really old time 
country music, but to do it like extremely well is is very very interesting. And I think I think he's an amazing talent, and he definitely like found. Uh, I think like country music was missing an artist like him, and I could see him really ascending as the years go on by as like the alternative for a person that doesn't really enjoy country music. I could see them getting into somebody as like an alternative version of a country artist in, in Orville Peck. He has an amazing voice, amazing range. And yeah, some of his songs, his songwriting is amazing as well. So that was definitely like a really nice surprise and a uh, breath of fresh air. Yeah, definitely. You know, obviously we didn't see much country if there was much country going on. That was cool. A genre that you and I both grew up hating that we've kind of come accustomed to branching out a little bit, being more open to. Definitely a cool artist to, if you always hated country, one that you might dip your toe in the water with. Then we went to Maggie Rogers, who I saw a long time ago. Not to like be one of those guys that brags like, oh, I saw her when she played blah, blah, blah. But just before her even first album came out and the difference in performance level, she was great then. So I was excited for her. Her new song is amazing. Her new album is probably going to be great. She played another song from it that sounded awesome. Her first album is also great, but her voice has leveled up. Someone told me, I read that she's like, it was part, her performance at Coachella was like the final or her master's thesis that she's getting from Harvard or something. So (laughs) this girl's amazing. I'll take, honestly, I thought this was an artist that I was going to be more excited for in the group, but you ended up hyping her up and praising her more than even I was. And I loved her set. So go away with Maggie Rogers. I love Maggie Rogers. I love her so much. She brings this like late 80s, early 90s, just singer songwriting, folk, and. What'd you say? Like Janice vibe. vibes, right? Exactly. Yeah. And, and she just really gets up there. She owns her shit. And. Again, she played in 2019 Coachella at at the Gobi stage, which is one, probably like the small second smallest stage, I would say, at Coachella. And at the time, she had just uh, dropped her first album. And to be able to see like her in 2019 to her now in 2022, I mean, I don't know how many of you guys out there like watch anime, but it's almost as if like seeing gohan go in the hyperbolic time chamber and and just literally come out and and become like super saiyan 2 like that's literally i mean she she went up like 10 levels in the matter of three years from like a performance standpoint from a singing standpoint i mean she like i I had the time of my life with maggie rogers and if it wasn't for shrame to be honest like i think maggie rogers would have been my favorite performance at coachella which is super surprising to say but i was extremely pleased to be able to listen to her and her band she only played nine songs and those nine songs like felt like an eternity but in a good way yeah it just kept going and going and going and and yeah i I, i'm definitely like really happy for her um i think again she can be like going into the future another huge amazing artist um that everyone can just enjoy because from a lyrical standpoint, you know, she speaks about very personal things and, and also um, she's pushing, you know, the boundaries for women empowerment and just overall just being yourself, being your authentic self. I think that's something that is really great. And so I was super happy to see her. I know like Chris and, and Christian were happy to see her and Sean, what are your thoughts again on that performance? Uh-oh. Yeah, no, I loved it. She was a great, amazing. I just looked it up. I saw her in 2017. That was the first time I saw her. So 
five years, she has dramatically changed, improved. Her voice was amazing. Um, yeah, definitely one of the highlights of the weekend. She was just magical on stage. Like you said, kind of her energy bouncing around. Another person who had just brought all the energy, my favorite kind of DJ act of the week by far, even though we didn't you know, spend too much time in the Sahara tent. Fred again. Dude was unreal. We had only thing we had heard about this man is because we read the Coachella Reddit for two months leading up to this. We Everyone stay lurking on there. Every everyone was hyping this guy up, and I was like, usually the Reddit kind of comes through. There's always an act where like the subreddit, if it's a big enough festival that has a passionate fan base like Coachella does, there's usually an act that some people know they kind of put you on, and this dude delivered. I don't know how most people who we've now mentioned him, you know, we've become the biggest spread again promoters telling people about him and everybody we tell doesn't know who he is. Uh, he had a massive crowd. Apparently he's made it with enough people or everyone is like us on that subreddit. It was right at sunset, golden, perfect golden hour vibes. Everyone was having a great time. Everyone was dancing. That was, was the most dancing. Of, that was the most dancing I saw all weekend. Yeah. There was some energy about that crowd where just the last two songs were just so great and like emotional because he puts like these little voice memos in his songs and a lot of it were off his last album which is all about uh dealing with the pandemic and a lot of music that he wrote during covid so there was just something emotional about the like catharsis in it and i don't know what it was we still haven't figured it out but every time we show somebody that song uh which is we lost dancing i think what, what's the name of it like, um, i know that's Mar the maria, maria maria yeah uh, it was just unreal, and everybody immediately bounces to it. I remember I find my it friend. Super, I find it super interesting, like coming, you know, from you as a person that <clears throat> you know enjoys EDM, but like isn't extremely, you know, that that's not one of the, like your favorite genres. But again, like what I was saying earlier about EDM, like when when you have an artist that is put in the right position and is able to like curate the performance that they really want to play it's really like special what is it being able to be brought out because like again they're not playing like real instruments they're not singing um but they're able to like just create this vibe that it it really hits home when the thing that's making you emotional is a lot of you know like unnatural sounding noises you know yeah and and yeah during in that moment like you said sunset was just peeking through the, the tent everyone was smiling having a good time and it kind of just felt like that was something that i think everybody in there was like waiting for just to be able to let loose again after three years of like a tough time during the pandemic where so many people's lives were being changed that was a good moment to have in terms of like okay festivals are back we're having a good time we're letting loose and this is the last day we're going hard so yeah, that's always amazing. Yeah, so that's another one. If you haven't heard of him, get on to him. If you see him live, it's way better than... And we're, we're going to one of his shows in October. He's playing with Rufus the Soul at the Gorge in Washington. So if any of you want to come game. with us, please tag along. <laughs> For sure. Uh, then we saw our man, Santan Dave, another international artist from the UK. Uh, <laughs> if you, I put this on my story. I said, if you like rap, please listen to... Santan, please listen to Dave. Uh, obviously, he's massive in the UK. I'm a, if I have any of my British friends listening to this, they're like, yeah, dude, we know who Dave is. Like, don't be stupid. I'm telling you, America is sleeping on this man. He is unreal. He's another guy who 
kind of, if you like Kendrick and the way that Kendrick speaks about, you know, real issues and real things and has poetic lyrics in his rapping, if that's something you liked in your rap, Dave is the man for you. Unreal, the dude's entendre is his wordplay, unlike anyone else doing it right now. Pure energy. There were, like you said, the international presence was felt. There were a bunch of Brits there beforehand, all getting hyped like we were. We, we were right by the We left the brads and chads for just the lads, you know what I mean? <laughs> Best day too. We look over. We're right next to the VIP rail. We look over before the set, and Stormzy is standing in the VIP, like five feet from us. Gave us a head nod. Everyone was looking at him. And Stormzy, if you don't know that name, this is the biggest name in British rap. One of the biggest acts in Europe right now. Dude, headline Glastonbury, which is like the biggest music festival in the world, right up there with Coachella. Massive, massive, massive star. And he's standing right there next to us. I looked over. He has a song with Dave which Dave played last. And we looked over, you know, kind of like a Coachella moment. Is he going to ask him on stage? No, Stormzy was just going ham in the crowd. Like we were basically with us in the crowd, just rapping along. Feet away from us, bro. Absolutely unreal. We were were like feet away from Moshin with a a Glastonbury headliner. (laughs) This is essentially like if Drake was standing next to you. This is like level, he even has like he's done some stuff with Drake, but this is like the level of stardom that we're talking about. Like this is how massive of a star this guy is. If you were just mobbing in the crowd with Drake, it was unreal. Dave also spit out every verse. You know, he's one of those guys. He's not a rapper who takes the mic away and is kind of bouncing. And there's a backtrack going. Dude spits every line of every verse, and his verses are hard. It was unreal. Playing the Lived electric up. guitar, playing the piano, yeah. cool band. Definitely live up to the hype, and we were so so over dramatically hyped for this set. He lived we're up so to high. it, he and, and that was also a guy on stage. Yeah, br- yeah, he brought out a guy to rap Tiago Silva, some dude named Spike. He was literally having he was having two contestants from the crowd do like a rap competition to see who was more deserving of going on stage to rap. And obviously, there's no you know, we, we had saw the killers bring up this guy named Caden up to the stage at Firefly and just absolutely crush it playing the drums and there's just nothing more amazing when than having your fellow audience member go up on stage and live out their dream of performing with their favorite artists and just setting the crowd ablaze. Yeah, especially when they passion. kill it. Because we've seen it where someone brings them up and they're just like, oh, they should not have gone up there or that was okay. When they yeah. blow the artist away, when the artist kind of does that pause and looks back and is like, oh my God, this person is incredible. That moment is insane. Mm-hmm. And and Spike killed it. Like it was yeah. <laughs> Spike killed it, and that that was actually uh, yeah. Like I know Christian had not really listened to Dave as much. Kristen had never been to a rap show before. That was her first <laughs> rap show, and you know, keep in mind, like now Dave is like one of her favorite artists, and she's into rap now. So Dave, <laughs> you're able to get a Nickelback fan and a country music lover <laughs> to uh, be converted. It, all it took was a uh, you know. Uh, a, a lad from uh from the uk from south london exactly and then we'll go from there to the last two acts of the weekend we caught almost we caught like most of i guess the second half doja cat to be fully full disclosure we weren't there the whole time it wasn't someone we were super excited for i don't know why her planet her album is amazing full credit to her not trying to take anything away it's just something about her music like just never has hit the same with me. Obviously, some of her hits, you know, the song with SZA, Say So is a bop, but it was everywhere. Maybe I was just kind of annoyed by it. I think my main thing, too, is just 
Doja Cat, you know, sometimes an artist like that, you to get like fully into them, you kind of start watching interviews and you fall in love with their personality off the stage as well, which is something I haven't really done with Doja Cat. I haven't really followed her, you know, only see her big appearances. I haven't fallen for like the character of Doja Cat. So maybe that's why I'm not as into the music as some people. And I even looked at you half, right before we went over there. I was like, do you think this is the highest she'll ever be billed? You know, this is kind of like her peak because we got there and the crowd was massive. That was One the, the biggest, biggest crowd. That was biggest the big, no, that crowd. was the biggest crowd. That was bigger than Harry. Like, yeah, it was unreal. We were trying to get closer because the weekend was coming up and we had to stop like four, like four fifths of the way back. We couldn't penetrate any further. It, it was unreal. And I definitely was wrong on that one. Like, no, this girl is next. That was just, this is just the beginning for her. She played with a full like rock band. She did a rock version of Say So, which was actually really cool. She had the crowd eating out of the palm of her hand, which is something that's pretty, can be pretty hard for like rappers and pop, you know, that whatever she kind of blends the genres. Something for them that's hard to do because like we said, you know, they don't have that full rock band energy. They don't have people playing live all the time, but she definitely did. Her production was value was insane. Um, the crowd was, as we were walking past people, the crowd was digging it. What'd you think of Doja Cat? She's definitely, I was hand up fully wrong for not being as hyped. She is definitely one of the artists that is up next, as they like to say. Want to know what it's like? <laughs> I just want to fuck on night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry to everyone that uh, I just blew, I know I just blew somebody's ears out. But <laughs> she has a lot of bops, man. Like, hey, when those songs come on, you can't you can't not not. I just said a double negative, but um, you can't yeah. When she didn't end with say so, fun, you know, when she still had hits after say so, which was one of the biggest songs of that year. It is impressive right. for where she's at. Yeah, and again, this is a, from a person that. Um, you know, prior to the pandemic, when Coachella had their lineup out in 2020, she was on the fifth line on Sunday. She was on the fifth line from the top, and now she's a second name behind the headliner. I mean, what a <laughs> what a meteoric rise! Yeah, and uh, yeah, she had the biggest crowd at Coachella like the entire weekend. If you think about all the artists that were there, especially Harry Styles, like, I mean, I that was something that was so surprising to me. I didn't realize how many Doja Cat fans are out there, but I mean. When you look at her streams and see like that she pretty much has half a billion streams for every single one of her songs on just Spotify alone, like it, it, it makes sense. And yeah, it's super exciting just to be able to have another female artist throw their name in the in the the field of like potential headliners. So yeah, congratulations sure. to Doja Cat and, and uh very deserving deservingly so. All right, we'll wrap it up with the last set, the last headliner, the Kanye West replacement. Swedish House Mafia gets bumped up. Combined with the weekend, we're not really sure what's going to happen. There's a weird, you know, X combination. Are they going to go back and forth? How much time are they going to have? The rumor comes out, report comes out that the weekend was paid the full $8 million headlining uh, fee that Kanye got. So he at least has to give us more than five songs. They were 40 minutes late for when we saw them. So you could tell the crowd energy was a little, of course, already just divided in the beginning, which was weird. There were people there for Swedish House Mafia. There were people there for The weekend, which did not mesh well. You know, not everyone's like us, who was a fan of both. Um, then again, them being 40 minutes late, having technical difficulties kind of threw it off. So the crowd was a little low energy. Come to find out, Swedish House's set was even more condensed than it had to be. They didn't really play a lot of their songs that we know, you know, didn't, they hit us with like one throwback and shortened it. It was kind of like a house set where for, at least for me, I was just a little ticked, you know, because they were late. 
the energy was down. I'm just like, where's the weekend? What's happening here? The weekend came out. You and I tried our best to like really get into it, but even the crowd around us was a little dead. Uh, full, no discredit to him. You know, he saved saved the weekend, no pun intended, by coming out and doing that. He gave it his all, but it wasn't a full production. You know, he kind of gave us some of the throwback hits and stuff, but something about it just felt a little lackluster. The end was great when they both came out, did those two songs they have together. Big dramatic ending. But weekend two, watching the live stream, definitely looked a lot better. What were your thoughts on both performances as we wrap it up with the last headliner of Coachella? It's pretty sad, to be honest. I, I'm not going to lie. Like, especially when it comes to, you know, The weekend is, is, is one of my favorites. I've been following him since, I, and I know it's so cliche, like, oh my gosh, you know, like, every, like, were you really an OG fan? Though? Like, I, yeah, like yeah. I was an OG fan. This dude saw him at the House of Blues. Yeah, like, uh, even before I even knew what the man looked like, you know, when he was just a voice, I didn't know if The weekend was one person or or band, you know? And so this is my sixth time seeing him, and it's definitely like the most disappointing. But again, I don't want to place any blame on anybody besides Kanye, and I will just have to say his name because <laughs> the weekend literally had fourteen days, less than fourteen days, to prepare a set with Mike Dean um, in Swedish House Mafia, and it also sucks for Swedish House Mafia because they were supposed to close Friday after Harry and have like over an hour to perform whatever they wanted to, to have that like cut in half as well. Um, is it, pretty crappy. I would say for the weekend and Swedish house mafia. And, and on top of that, I was getting distracted because I mean, literally to our left, like uh, Josh Rosen was just grinding on his girl the entire time. And, and we were all, all of us. Gee, were saying, yeah. All the boys are just saying like, you know, like, wh- like, why is he doing this? Like, shouldn't he be like practicing some throws and stuff and, and like not worrying about his interceptions. Anyway, Christian's giving us his draft profile from back in the day. (laughs) (laughs) And so, yeah, I mean, it was just like kind of a sad way to end the weekend, I guess. And uh, he really, I mean, Abel gave it his all. And I think looking back uh, yesterday and watching the live stream for weekend two, like it was just so much better. The crowd was so much more into it. Um, But again, like, I don't know. I, it, this whole situation just really rubbed me the wrong way with Kanye. And I think like he doesn't really owe anybody anything, but <laughs> also at the end of the day, like you did put two artists uh, kind of in a bad position to not be able to, like, I'm sure as an artist, you know, especially when you're at Coachella, you want to be able to kind of give it your all. And it kind of sucks that like the last headliner of such an amazing weekend was just kind of scrambled together and and obviously like as a person in the crowd you could you could see that it was just scrambled together um so yeah kanye you're i'm done with you're you. done messed up i'm done <laughs> it's over, it's over. It is finished all right so we'll wrap it up we'll give our top five we'll go five to one i'll give mine first so you can think about yours a little bit number five i'm going fred again best dj i saw by far just the energy of the crowd one of the best crowds of the weekend number four this is a tough one for me i think i'm going i think i'll go dave four you know a rapper has a lot of has an uphill climb to perform on a live set just the energy that he was able to do it with was amazing number three i'm going strome like we talked about earlier best production value of the weekend how he, another artist who the crowd, you know, 
was a little, eh, you know, maybe not like people like you who don't know his songs. He had to kind of bring the crowd in by the end. Everyone was losing it. Everyone was having a great time. Great set. Number two, I'm going my boy Harry Styles, best headliner of the weekend. Dude's an absolute performer. Obviously, I'm a little biased. I know every one of his songs. But bringing out Shania, just the production, the new songs that he played that we don't even know were great. The dude does not miss. And number one for me, by far, Arcade Fire. Like I said earlier, a religious experience. They're one of the greatest live bands of at least our time that I've ever seen. And they delivered again. Just absolutely unreal. I lost my voice and it was only six hours into the festival. So that is my top five. What is your top five, Harrison? Um, I just got to exclude Arcade Fire because my stomach wouldn't allow me to see the entire (laughs) performance. Otherwise, I know that they would be number one. But uh, number five, I'll go Caroline Polachek, best vocalist of the weekend. Somebody that I thought uh, was just absolutely incredible uh first time seeing her and 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 also now it's gotten me into like wanting to listen to her more um number four i gotta go with dave finally get to see i mean to be honest i think for us like that was our headliner on on sunday yeah and so we were we were in there like we were pretty much front row and so um i'm super happy that i got to see him and yeah hopefully one day you and i can take a trip over the pond to the festival over there and and he'll be headlining Um, yeah and three i'll go with harry um harry was absolutely incredible like he he most deservingly so uh, in terms of headliners he needed to be up there he had the crowd literally by uh balls i mean like there was nothing that um he couldn't have done that that people would have loved and i thought like everything that i expected from that set i got which is the reason why i'm putting him at three because uh, the two people that I have above him, like, during that time, just the emotions that I got, I was like, wow, like, I'm literally getting blown away. Like, I was not expecting this. So definitely having Maggie Rogers at two and Shrami at one. So, uh, yeah, that's my top five. And, yeah, man, like, going, you know, before uh, we head out, I just want to ask you, like, going into, you know, 2023, Coachella. I mean, we'll be back. Um, We'll be back on the polo field. Who would you like to see headline? Um, I know, you know, Frank Ocean is confirmed and there's some rumors that Bad Bunny is confirmed for the other headliners as well, but who would you like uh, to headline Coachella 2023? And who are some other people on the undercard that you think would be awesome out there? You're talking about, so like undercard, people who weren't there at all this year, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just give me yeah. like five, five names. Yeah. So like headliners, obviously I, Rihanna post baby. We need a Rihanna set. I've never seen Rihanna. Rihanna needs to headline some things. Uh, Dua Lipa has blown up since then. I think she's pretty much going to be toured out, so she probably won't do Coachella. Um, as far as bands go, it's kind of sad. You know, the rock band with the headlining status has dipped a little bit. My favorite band is Coldplay. No one wants to see them there. Muse, <laughs> I would love to see. I think Ray's probably back, yeah? You think? Yeah, maybe. Obviously, everyone's Frank. That would be, you know, first show back in a long time. It would be amazing if he actually shows up. Uh, The Foo Fighters would have been amazing. You know, we'll see if they... Maybe Dave Grohl's next creation, something he does, that would be a cool thing to see. I've been, you know, I always wanted to see that. I unfortunately didn't get the chance to before um, Taylor Hawkins passed away. So those are some of the bigger names. 
trying to think like who hasn't, who has been rumored for a while. Um, maybe Travis comes back and gets a spot that he was going to have before the tragedy at Astro World. So those are some of the big names, some of the undercards that I would love to see. Uh, this indie band called Wet Leg is blowing up over in the UK. Sam Fender is another British rocker who's finally touring some dates in the US and he's on lineup posters way down the list here and he's blowing up over there. That's a guy who I will firmly stand behind. Go listen to Sam Fender. Anyone I've shown him to has loved him. Um, I think Little Sims. I know she had to cancel a lot of her US dates. I'm just naming British people. I need some non-British acts. <laughs> So there's got to be some cool Americans. You need to change your, You need to change your citizenship. Um, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> um, trying to think of like a cool rock band or thing. Yeah, I mean, King Gizzard was great. I hope they bring them back just so we get to see them again. Um, yeah, there's a lot out there. Put me on the spot a little bit. Of course, that's when you kind of start lacking some names. But those are some names that are might be blowing up a little bit. And then, of course, you know, maybe Kendrick. His new album's coming out. We'd love to see Kendrick headline again maybe jay-z comes back and does something obviously the man who will not be named will not yeah. be back on the polo field so i don't know if you have any names to throw out at the end that i might have missed for sure for sure i think uh in 2020 grizz was like a huge edm artist i mean he's had like most edm festivals now and uh i think he's somebody that would absolutely just crush it at coachella just considering that he's like dj and playing the saxophone up there and just you know like every time I've seen Grizz, it's just been an amazing time. So I could see him like just the energy would be just off the charts out of Coachella. Uh, that's somebody that I'd love to see there. Um, another big artist would probably be Odessa. I think they'll definitely be back next year. Oh, true. Um, Rufus the Soul would be nice. Would be another electronic act that would be good. Ooh, Florence and the Machine. That's one I missed out on. They're amazing live. She's yeah, unreal. yeah. Rex Orange County too. If he's still torn. Right. Yeah, Rex would be good. He just dropped a new album. Honestly, you know, like there, there's the, that new festival that's been reviving a lot of punk, uh, punk rock, punk pop. Uh, yeah, Haley Williams came out weekend too for for Billy Eilish. So why not have Paramore? Paramore has never been to Coachella. But can we have Paramore, please? Um, yeah. But yeah, in terms of the undercard, I mean, some artists that I'd love to see uh, would be let's see, James Blake. I think that would be really cool. Um, his last album was really, really, really good. Kitronada, that would be a really fun, like, Sunset Bide. Um, Krungbin, amazing as always. They just had a project uh, with Leon you know, Bridges again. Love to see them there. Um, what's that artist that you interested? Oh, My- uh, Michael uh, Kiwanuga. That would be a vibe out there as well. I, like, I just want more instrumental. I feel vibe. like that was something that was kind of missing this year. We didn't have, like, a lot of bands and and like, yeah uh, you know so lacking and amazing instrumentally that was something that we we were really missing this year and again i'm always hoping for a daft punk reunion i'm always hoping for a pink floyd reunion hell even bring john led zeppelin and, and, and dead and company over yeah exactly like <laughs> coachella you're always about doing crazy things i hope that you could bring in one of those legendary bands for a reunion at coachella oh Biggest person I want to see, definitely Charlie XCX. Please come. Tasseltana yeah, as well. That was a big miss. Ooh, two, good call. Two of you can come to Coachella. That would be absolutely amazing. But especially Charlie, I love you so much. <laughs> and yeah, 
I'm looking forward to 2023. That'll probably be the next major festival that we both go to again. And um, hoping to see our listeners. If you've never gone to Coachella, it is a little expensive, but it is an experience of a lifetime. Something that you'll remember forever. To be able to create memories with your friends, be out in an amazing place with cool weather, as well as fantastic music. And you never know who you might see out there. So. Yeah. Any last uh, thoughts that you have about your time at Coachella this year, Mr. Kavanaugh? I think one thing you can just say, just it is a little expensive, but one little pro tip, if if you don't like camping and that's the part you're scared of and you want to go book, it's, it's just hard because it's usually non-refundable, but book the place first and you can wait on the ticket. I know it sounds backwards, but it kind of made me mad, but people got tickets for like 200 bucks the week of. And we paid like way more than that for face value. And we didn't even buy resale. So just a little to, if you think, you know, the budget part, the, the most important part is get a place to stay. And even we did that late and got kind of lucky. So place to stay is number one. If you don't like mm-hmm. camping and you can wait on the ticket and still know that you're going, you'll find a way. I'm never, I'm never buying pre-sale. I'm never buying pre-sale. Yeah, never pre-sale, pre-sale again. Okay. There's always a way. People always think, oh, I'm not going. It's sold out. No, 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 no. There's always a ticket to be bought even the day of don't let anyone ever tell you that something is sold out so yeah that wraps it up that is our coachella recap Harrison, i appreciate you joining us and jordan we will... or jordan ones <laughs> rolex has got more than one my ap costs uh, e1 minimum one oh, e1 up with a stick stick you show it one you kind of show me one in the club with a shortest one. He's going to sue Mike us. Lee with a shortest one. <laughs> On my mind, George one. Crocodile, I got more than one. Vegan Ting, I saw one. Freaks, I got more than one. Fuck, Daddy and Daughter one. Tori putting that labor. This is that, that Jeremy Coleman one. Harrison Chow, out. All right, Harrison, appreciate you joining me. Appreciate all of you listening. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.